I want you, Joe, if you could throw up that image for just a second, the next image here. There we go, good, right? We all kind of know what that image is, but I want you to look at that image uh, for just a moment on the screen, right? Because I love everything, you know, when we look at that image, I love everything that this story portrays. I mean, they're all there, aren't they, right? I mean, right in the, in the midst of the light, right? You got Jesus kind of right smack in the middle. And I mean, when you look at that picture, what you realize is that God just wrote a, a flawless storyline for his son to enter into the darkness of the world. I, I mean, think about it for a moment. You've got the, the young virgin uh, named Mary, and she receives news from the angel named Gabriel that she's going to give birth to God's son. And then the angel tells her that his name is uh, to be Jesus. And then the angel appears to Joseph and, and tells him not to be afraid to take Mary home as his wife, even though uh, she's pregnant because this was God's son. Right? This, this, was, this was God's baby. And his name would be Emmanuel, which is God with us. Even though we, we often, we don't think of how hard that journey really would have been. I mean, think about this for, for just a moment. I mean, between Nazareth and, and Bethlehem was about 80 miles. 80 miles of just rocky, uh, tough terrain. You know, most likely Mary and Joseph would have traveled on a donkey. It probably would have taken them a, a week or longer to get there. But the journey of Joseph and, and a very pregnant Mary is really, I mean, it's just an amazing part of the whole story. You know, after Jesus was, was born in an animal stable, right, because Joseph couldn't find any room in the Bethlehem, uh, you know, Motel 6, uh, the very first visitors that actually came to, to gaze their eyes upon Jesus were the shepherds. Right? I mean, the shepherds, these guys are the outcasts of society. They're the, the vagabonds, kind of like the low class. And then sometime later, most scholars believe it was somewhere maybe around two years or so later, the Magi come from the east, the wise men. And, and as they come, they're bringing with them gifts of gold and, and frankincense and, and myrrh. And, and as they come and they, they see the baby Jesus, they lay these gifts at Jesus' feet as an act of worship. I mean, it, it's a beautiful story. Right? I mean, this story is just so full of hope and light. And, and I mean, that picture, you know, when we see it, makes us feel really, really good about this time of year. It gives us kind of like the warm and, and fuzzies during the Christmas season. However, what we really never talk about is that over 2,000 years ago, outside of the radiance of that stable, the world was actually really a very dark place. You know, when Jesus was born, Israel was, was not only very dark politically, but they were very dark morally and spiritually. At, at that time, Israel was, uh, you know, not only being oppressed, but being occupied by the Romans. Their, their king at, at the time for Israel's king was Herod the Great. Now, Herod, if you know anything about Herod, this guy was like a complete psychopath. Uh, he was appointed as king over the Jews by Mark Anthony and Octavian, and who were the rulers of, of Rome at the time. And Herod was so paranoid that somebody was going to take his, his power, take from him his, his, his kingdom, that he actually killed two of his three sons. He actually had his wife executed. Right? He's the same king that ordered, if you know anything about the biblical story of the birth of Jesus, he's the same king that ordered all male children two years and younger in Bethlehem and the surrounding areas to be killed because Herod had heard rumors that this Messiah was coming. Herod's reign is recorded by historians as one of the, the, the darkest moments and the greatest time of suffering in all of Israel's history. However, in spite of that darkness, the people of Israel, they still hold on to this hope that God was going to be just, just going to send this great light to, to shine into the darkness. 
And the light would be a Messiah. He would be a savior to the Jews. He would be a, a light that would guide them out of their darkness. And you say, well, well, Rick, I mean, they've got this hope, that's great, but where did all of this hope come from? Well, 738 years before Jesus was born, God spoke directly to the nation of Israel. He spoke to the kings of Israel through a prophet by the name of Isaiah. And see, when Isaiah was a prophet back in that time, it was another dark time in Israel's history. In fact, they were in a time of suffering. They were in a time of darkness. Again, not just politically, but morally and spiritually. The king in 738 BC was a guy by the name of Ahaz. And like many who went before him, the Bible says that Ahaz did not do right in the eyes of the Lord. You see, God had been clear with the Jewish people. He said, you know, it had been clear with all of their kings that, that what he wanted was he wanted them to worship him. God wanted, wanted himself to be the first desire of their hearts. God wanted to, them to seek him with all of their uh, soul, with all of their strength, with all of their might, with all of their heart. And God had told the Israelites, he told them, he said, look, as long as they follow after his heart, then God would be their protector. God would provide guidance for them. But instead of seeking guidance and instead of seeking protection from the God of Israel, what Ahaz did was Ahaz went outside of that. And Ahaz actually sought protection from other nations. He went to Syria to seek protection from them and built altars like the Syrians did. And he sacrificed to their gods and disobeyed God's law. In fact, what he did was he sacrificed his own son as an act of false worship. And so as a result of all of this, Israel fell away from God. They stopped worshiping God. They began worshiping these other idols. And, and because of that, God actually removed his hand of protection from the nation of Israel, very specifically to the northern kingdom, which is in the region of Galilee. He allowed that area to be invaded by a, a ruthless Assyrian king by the name of Tiglath-Pileser III. And if you look at Isaiah chapter 8, at the very end, Isaiah actually uses words like uh, distress, and fearful gloom and darkness to describe this period of time. And so the times were bleak, right? They were dark. The people during the time of Isaiah, like the people in the days of Jesus, they needed hope. They needed a rescue. They needed a great light to shine into the darkness. One day, God sent a message of hope into the world. And he told the nation of Israel through the prophet Isaiah in chapter 9, here's what God says. He says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, he says, a light has dawned. Now to the people who were walking in darkness during that time, God promised this great light. And he said, I'm sending a light into the world that will actually lead you out of the darkness. But see, this light wasn't coming to, to, to conquer an enemy nation. It wasn't coming to, to overthrow some foreign government. This was going to be a light that was different than anything the nation of Israel ever, ever expected. God the Father was sending his one and only son into the world as a baby to bring light into the realm of our spiritual darkness. And listen, I, I love this. Just listen to this amazing birth announcement. In verse 6, it says this. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He goes on to say, of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from that time and forevermore. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. 
I mean, when we read through that, I mean, what an amazing, brilliant, magnificent promise. Now, if you've ever heard Handel's Messiah before, then you are very familiar with the words wonderful counselor and, and mighty God and everlasting father and prince of peace. But what you may not have realized is that these words of hope and promise were words that were actually spoken by God. It was a promise that God would be sending a light into a time of just spiritual and moral and national darkness. God was going to send a light into the world that would be a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, the prince of peace. And for the people that were living in darkness during the time of Isaiah and even during the time of Jesus, just think of the hope and think of the comfort that these words would have brought to everyone that would have heard them. I mean, I want you this evening to think of the, the possibilities for us. You know, think of the possibilities of having a wonderful counselor. You know, one of the things that I've learned over doing ministry over, over several years is that really, you know, the Christmas season is very oftentimes a difficult time for a lot of people. It brings out of a lot of emotions out of people, things like stress and anxiety and, and even despair and loneliness. You know, many people kind of struggle with these kind of emotions all year long. Look, the fact that Jesus is a wonderful counselor, it doesn't just mean that Jesus is a great listener. It doesn't mean that Jesus, you know, just gives great advice. It means that he understands our emotions and he understands our problems in ways that go beyond our comprehension and our understanding. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says it this way, that this high priest, meaning Jesus, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. For he faced all the same things and testings that we do, yet he did not sin. Listen, since he created our emotions and he actually created us, he knows things about us that only God could know. He knows things about us that only the, the creator of, of, of everything could ever know. His insight and his knowledge into our lives goes all the way from our very first breath to our very last. And so he knows you better than anyone else and he knows better than anyone else how to lead us and how to guide us through our lives. He actually tells us in Scripture to let, let him carry our burdens for us. Now, what kind of counselor would actually ever do that? Right? What kind of counselor would actually carry all of our burdens and all of our trials and all of our difficulties and all of our pains and all of our sufferings? Who would do that? Only Jesus can do that. Right? That counselor is available to you today. This counselor, right, he's the one, his, his open sign is always illuminated. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't take a day off. He never needs rest. He never takes a vacation, never takes a sabbatical. That's why he's given the name Wonderful. Some of you may have never met Jesus before. And you may have never truly discovered just how wonderful he actually is. And then God tells us in this passage that he's, he says, I'm sending a light into the world that will be a mighty God. Now, I love this name, Mighty God. Mighty in the Hebrew is the word Gabor. And Gabor means just, it's just powerful. Right, think about, I mean, it means like a hero. It means a champion. And God in this instance is the word El, and it's used other places in the Bible. You may have heard, you know, it being used as like El Shaddai, the God who overcomes, or Elohim, the God who creates. But in this case, in this passage, it's El Gabor, and that means that God sent a mighty warrior into our world to be our light. And you say, well, why in the world is that so important? Because see, every once in a while, we need someone to step into the darkness of our lives. Every once in a while, we need someone to step into a dark situation and to shine a light that will lead us towards hope. We need a powerful warrior to rescue us from maybe an addiction 
Or we need a powerful warrior to rescue us from, from some hurt or some pain or some suffering or a broken heart. Or we need someone who has the strength to put a broken marriage back together. We need someone who can come alongside of us and, and help us through a difficult divorce situation. Or when we're going through a moment of pain and suffering or some kind of illness, to step into that and to bring healing and to bring hope. Imagine tonight how your life could change if you had a mighty warrior living his life powerfully through, through your life this evening. I mean, just think of how much that could actually change your life. Listen, Jesus is not just a cute baby that we celebrate during Christmas time. Right? God sent him into this world to be a powerful warrior right? that, that, that would help you to, to live victoriously without fear in the midst of a dark world today. And then God said, I'm going to give you a light. He said, that's going to be an everlasting father. Now, I know for a lot of people that just the mention of the word father, especially during Christmas, brings out a whole list of, you know, just a list full of emotions. For some of you, you, had, you you've got some wonderful thoughts when you think of father. Your minds go back to moments of Christmas, maybe of your dad sitting in his chair, sitting there around the Christmas tree, you know, while mom's handing out all of the gifts. And dad just kind of sat there proudly knowing that he had a huge part in all of that. You remember just moments where, where dad was just engaged in something that you were interested in or he shared the joy of whatever it was that you did. And so as you think of your father this evening, you've got these wonderful thoughts, whether he's no longer with you or maybe he's sitting next to you tonight. For others, the word father brings sadness and, and even some pain. And I know for, for many of you, like, like me, you've lost your father. And there's always just kind of a degree of emptiness that, that I feel during the Christmas season. You know, I, I had a wonderful dad. My dad loved Christmas. He made it so much fun. And when I go through the season, there's always kind of this degree of emptiness and, and even just a bit of loneliness that I feel because my earthly father's no longer here. For some of you, the word father brings a very different emotion. Maybe you have or, or you had a mom or dad who for, for, for you, good was never good enough. Your acceptance was totally based on your performance. Their, their love was conditional and totally based on your ability to be successful. See, here's what I love about Jesus being an everlasting father. And that's his love for you is not based on your performance. Right, when Jesus died for your sins, his performance was enough to cover your sins and for you to gain full acceptance by his father. You see, God's love for you is not based on whether you can be good enough because the truth of the matter is you can't. None of us can. See, God's standard for righteousness and acceptance is actually perfection. And the only one who could ever meet that was Jesus. But that's why Jesus came to earth. Right? He did for you what you could never do on your own. Listen, he's an everlasting father that will never walk out on you. He will never leave you because you didn't meet up to his standards. He's not bailing because he can't handle the pressure of being a father. His acceptance of you is not based on your ability to perform and there are no strings attached to his love this evening. I love this quote from another pastor. He says this, he says, no matter how many times we've blown it, no matter how many years we've been unsuccessful trying to get better, God attaches no strings to his love, none. See, his love for us doesn't depend on our loveliness. It goes one way, and, and as far as our sin may extend, the grace of the Father extends even further. Listen, there is great significance in the fact that God sent his great light Jesus into the world to be an everlasting Father. It also means that his relationship with us is permanent. 
It means that he's never going to leave us. He's never going to walk out on us. And his feelings for us are never, ever going to change. Here's what the Bible says about our everlasting father in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. See, not only does his character and promise never change, but his feelings and his commitments towards us never change. Deuteronomy 31, 6 says it this way. It says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Listen, if you're here today and you're struggling as a result of a tough relationship with a father, whether it's past or a present situation, I've got a word for you this evening. It's time for you to switch fathers. Doesn't mean that you dishonor your earthly father, but for some of you, it's time for you to find your acceptance in your heavenly father. It's time for you to find unconditional love and to rest and to lean back into the arms of your heavenly father this evening. And it is time for you to truly embrace, to put your trust and to put your faith in a father who is faithful and a father who is everlasting. We see that God was also sending a light that would be a prince of peace. In 738, uh, before Jesus was ever born, the nation of Israel, they desperately longed for peace. When, when Jesus was born, the promise of peace just seemed like a flickering light. It was very dim. God's people had fallen captive to one nation after another after another. They longed for this promised Messiah to come and to rescue them, and they held this promise close to their hearts. Why? Because it's all they had. It's all they had to give them hope. See, they needed the, the hope that things would, would get better. They needed the hope that God was still with them. They needed the hope that their future was going to be brighter. And listen, I know that when you turn on the TV and, and you're watching the news or, or you're watching it on the internet or, or wherever you're getting your news today, the world today looks very dark. We hear about this pandemic that is going on all over the world. Racial tensions in our country are like nothing that I've ever seen in my lifetime. There's just this cloud of uncertainty and fear that just kind of hovers not only over our nation, but all over the world. You see, when God promised a Prince of Peace, he didn't promise some politician that could talk a big game about peace or a military leader that could fight an enemy nation or some militant group for peace. What he promised was a savior. God promised a Savior that would shine a light into the darkness of our lives and be our peace. And so that means that because of Jesus, we can have peace during the uncertainties of life. It means that we can have peace over our fears. We can have peace over our troubles. We can have the Prince of Peace who just shines a tremendous light of, of hope into our future. And he doesn't just offer peace. The Bible says that he is peace. He is the Prince of Peace. And I can't help but think that this evening that, that, that some of you are struggling. Maybe you're going through a period of darkness in your own life right now. Maybe you've lost someone in this last year. This Christmas season has been a real struggle for you. Maybe for you, you're going through a very messy relationship. And it's just eating you up and it's just troubling you. Maybe you've got a son or a daughter who's just kind of gone off the deep end or they've gone away from you and you're try desperately trying to bring them back in. And I'm telling you, you're like, it's, it's just overwhelming your mind at Christmas. And so for you, the thought of, a, of a, a wonderful counselor sounds so good right now. Maybe for you, it's a financial challenge. And this Christmas season has really put the spotlight on that struggle. And, and for you, mighty God sounds really good right about now. Maybe you're here this evening, and for you, it's a spiritual issue. 
You used to walk closely with God and, and for whatever reason, you've drifted away. You've fallen into sin boy, could you ever use an everlasting father just to lovingly and, and, and gracefully reach his arms around you and to bring you back in. Some of you this evening, you're struggling with fear right now because of the state of affairs just all over our nation and our world. And man, I'll tell you what, what you need tonight is you need a prince of peace. For others of you, you're spiritually lost. For some of you tonight, you're walking in, in spiritual darkness. You didn't even know it until you came in here this evening. And now as you're sitting here right now, it's like, it's like someone is actually taking a light and just shining it into your heart. I want you to know this evening that that's the Holy Spirit of God shining a light into your heart at this moment. <clears throat> telling you that what you need, the only thing that will ever find that void in your life is Jesus Christ. And listen, this evening I've got good news. And the good news is this, that God has promised a great light that can, that can not only bring healing and deliverance from the darkness in your life, but can actually breathe new life into your soul and give you a hope and give you a future. Over 2,738 plus years ago, God promised that a great light was gonna pierce the darkness of our world. And here's the good news tonight, is that that light of the world has come. And here's how it played out in one night in Bethlehem, Luke chapter 2 in the Bible records it this way. It says this, And there were shepherds residing in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Just then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. You know, I read through that, and, and I just love how the angel announces the birth of Jesus. Right? The angel shows up on the scene. He says, look, I bring you good news he says the Savior has arrived and he's not just come for a select few. He's not just come for a select nation or even for a certain religion. He came to offer life and he came to offer forgiveness and hope to all people. Does anyone deserve this kind of offer? No. The Bible says that all of us, that we're just a bunch of messed up sinners in need of a Savior. It says that our best attempts to make things right with God, Scripture says, are just like tattered, filthy rags. That's why God had to send Jesus to be a sacrifice for your sins. That's why God had to send Jesus to take your place on the cross, to shine a great light onto your own spiritual, personal darkness, and to offer you grace and forgiveness, and to give you an opportunity to put you in a right standing with God. The Apostle Paul says this in 2 Timothy chapter 1. He says, For God saved us, and God called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from the beginning of time, to show us his grace through Jesus Christ. And now, Scripture says, he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. I love that passage, right? Because that passage says it all, doesn't it? That by his grace, God sent Jesus into the world of darkness. And he sent Jesus into the darkness of our lives to shine a great light on the great message of hope that the world, the, the best message of hope that the world has ever heard. Spiritual death was defeated. 
when Jesus died on the cross. When he died on the cross for all of our sins and then when he rose from the grave three days later. And today, today forgiveness is available to all who will put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ alone to be your Lord and to be your Savior. This is how Jesus said it in John chapter 8. He says this. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. He says, but will have the light of life. And hallelujah, because the light of the world has come. And that's what we're celebrating this evening. I want you to bow your heads. Would you pray with me for just a moment?